Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. This is the interview edition for the week leading up to UFC Fight Night, Vlad versus Dumont, and we have some wonderful guests for you to enjoy as you relax or go for a walk, go on a bike, do some exercising, however you consume this show. In fact, hit me up on social media. I'd love to hear when you listen to the show. Why not? I'm curious about that, legitimately. You know, I listen to my podcast when I go for walks with my dog uh, or when I'm uh, playing basketball. So... I'm just curious. How do you listen to the show? Hit me up. Let me tell you who we have on the show today. Aspen Ladd in the main event of this weekend's UFC Fight Night card. She will join me to discuss her short notice assignment in the featherweight division against Norma Dumont. Uh, a really solid fight uh, for her to make a name for herself in a brand new division. Also on this card, Jim A10 Miller looking to set the record. As soon as he steps in the cage, he will set the record for the most UFC fights in the promotion's history. I believe it's 38. So uh, good for A10. Always happy to see him in the UFC uh, doing his thing. He's uh, always been fun to watch. And we talked about uh, how much longer he wants to stick around for. So tune in. And uh, you can hear that for yourself. We'll also be joined by uh, Brandon Davis, who's on the card, taking on Denab Bakarel. Happy to have Brandon Davis back in the UFC. I thought he was dealt a bit of a raw deal when they released him last time around. He's taking all these short notice fights, fighting uh, in, a, in a new division, and all of that. So happy to see him back on a UFC card. And then we'll transition to some fighters that, and uh, individuals who are not on this card. You've got Ali Abdelaziz, manager to the stars, the CEO of Dominance MMA, talking about all things Dominance MMA. He's got so many different fighters uh, across all of these different promotions. I think he's got eight or seven fighters in the PFL finals. That's pretty impressive. Of course, represents the likes of Kamaru Usman, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, now retired. You know, a, a who's who of fighters that uh, are represented by Ali Abdelaziz. And we'll talk about a lot of those fighters when we have our conversation. Also joined by one of the recent winners of the Dana White Contender Series, Mike Malott, who is now in the UFC, had a highlight reel finish in the first round of the main event of last week's Dana White Contender Series. And the winningest female champion, uh, I don't know if winning is the, maybe she is the winningest, but definitely the longest reigning women's champion in the history of Bellator MMA, has signed with the PFL. It's Julia Budd, Canada's own. Happy to speak with Julia. Her stepson, Lance Gibson Jr., fights for Bellator this weekend. She was in Phoenix supporting him, and she has a fight coming up in just a couple weeks against an OG of women's MMA, Caitlin Young, in the PFL. So, happy to catch up with Julia Budd. So, let's get to it. We'll start off with Aspen Ladd, who joins us to discuss her upcoming main event berth in the featherweight division against Norma Dumont. Pleased to be joined by Aspen Ladd, who is in the main event of this weekend's UFC Fight Night card, fighting in the featherweight division for the first time in the UFC, a main event opportunity. This came about really quickly, so I guess you had left Vegas, gotten back home, and how long were you at home for before you had to go right back? Three or four days we were home before I got the call. It was definitely unexpected, but welcome. Now, I heard an interview that uh, your coach, Jim West, had done with James Lynch, saying that I guess you had woken up seven pounds heavier on Wednesday morning than you had on Tuesday morning. Now, you know, a lot of people come after um, fighters who miss weight 
But I think in the case of females, unless there's more of an understanding about what women go through when it comes to cutting weight, I feel like there should be a little bit more sympathy in these kind of cases. So can you walk me through what happened during the last fight week? Yeah, no, anything that I say will get shit on point. So we're, we're going to leave that one be. All right, so we move on, we will. I know it's an annoying question that I'm sure you're tired of getting asked. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about Norma Dumont. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Aspen. I said it's all good. I expected. Okay, no problem. Well, we can move on to Norma Dumont. Um, how much do you know about Norma? Again, this is a short notice fight, uh, not an opponent that you had a lot of time to drill for in specific. She's dangerous, dangerous striker, heavy hitter. And uh, basically looked into her a little bit, but I, I didn't necessarily know before we took it. It was like, all right, Holly fell out. 45 we need an opponent let's do it i didn't know his main event i didn't know his five rounds i just knew that it was go time basically yeah i'm sure you've been chomping at the bit to get back in there so when this opportunity came about i think again in that same interview that i heard with jim he said basically there could have been any name on the planet and you would have been there yeah no hesitation as far as that goes i just grateful for the opportunity you know a lot of people have asked why you haven't made featherweight your home it seems like it's a lot faster of a track to the title uh, since there are just so few contenders in that division well, that's part of the problem. It's uh, Yes, it's the same woman at the top of both heats, but there's so many less opportunities to fight at 145 right now. We'll see in the next year, year and a half, because I highly expect them to bring in Kayla and then try to start building the division. But basically, it's for opportunity, because I'd like to fight more. And for me, in order to do that, I can't do 35 all that often. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of time, and it's got to be exact. 45, I can as you see, take on a 10-day notice fight. Yeah, so you believe that it hinges on whether or not they bring in Kayla Harrison, and, and if they do that, you think that a division will actually grow as opposed to kind of be stagnant like it has been for the last couple of years. Absolutely. They just haven't put the uh, the time or the effort into it. Right now, it's kind of just here for Amanda when she wants to fight, and she's another big girl that has 35. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of time, and it's a lot healthier to fight at 45. So she wants the division, so it's here. But they need stars. They need basically more in more substance. And Kayla is the obvious answer. And I think they've been angling for her for a while. And her last fight on PFL is coming up. So I fully expect her to be signed and then them to start building the 145 division. Why do you think they didn't do that for Cyborg? I mean, when I think of women's 145-pound fighters, Cyborg is at the absolute top of the heap in terms of all time. She is, but we'll be honest here. And Cyborg, she seems like an amazing person, an amazing athlete, but... It was clear the UFC was not behind her. They liked her from any perspective, marketing or otherwise. Like she was not somebody they got behind in any way, from what I can see. Well, Kayla's last fight with the PFL is, I believe, this month. So if in the month of November, let's say you get a win over Norma Dumont, they call and say, hey, we want you to welcome Kayla Harrison to the UFC. Uh, we want you to be her first fight. Is that a fight that you'd be eager to take? That's an exciting opportunity for sure. Are you excited for a five-round fight? You're somebody who does a lot of endurance work in terms of um, your training. You're in the mountains. You're, you're at high altitude. It seems like a five-round fight is something that would benefit you more than a lot of other fighters uh, in the division, in either bantamweight or featherweight division. Yeah, no, I'm thrilled. Like, and I didn't know it was initially what it was a five-round. As I said, I didn't know. But when I got the information, I was just excited for it. It's like, all right, awesome. Obviously, had I had more time, the cardio would have been next level. But I feel prepared for it. I feel ready. So I hate to get back on the weight cutting questions, but do you have to cut much weight to make 145 pounds? Uh, since after everything that I've been doing to make 35 or so long, no, I'm not cutting any weight to make this this fight. Had it been a little longer and I settled back into a natural weight, 
there, it would have been a little bit of effort. But right now, especially 10 days after the last one, like, no, it's no effort whatsoever. And I won't be cutting water. So if you were to like pan down to a scale right now, you'd be on weight right now at, at this particular time in, uh, in fight week? Well, I ate breakfast, but yeah, I'm about on weight right now. All right. Well, that's good to hear. Um, and do you believe your fight, next fight after this will be at bantamweight or is it just going to be based on opportunities? It's based on opportunity and talking to the guys that uh, really control that. So get through Saturday, see where the next step is. It could be at bantamweight, it could be at 45, but I can't say yet. Is it frustrating knowing that just like that one X factor is what stopped the situation last time? Like you were on, basically ready to go on the Tuesday and then everything just kind of gets derailed. Like how frustrating is that for a fighter that's done all of these different camps and, and gotten all this preparation in to just have like one little thing just trigger everything going off the rails? It's, it's pretty awful. And it's awful sitting in the sauna or the bath for three hours straight, not losing anything. There's nothing I can do to change it. We're moving forward. Misha Tate commented on it. Uh, from what I understand, she was offered a fight with you and turned it down because she wanted to face a, you know, a little bit of a lower level of competition at this stage in her career. Uh, were you disappointed to see a fellow fighter call you out like that? It's something like if somebody else is having a bad day, you'll never necessarily see me comment on it. Basically, are you going to be a decent person? You're going to be a little bit of an asshole. And I don't think commenting on anybody else having basically a shit time or another fighter, you know, I don't think it's a good thing to do but everybody's different. Is there anybody that you've had your eye on uh, in, just in women's M MMA in general that is an opponent you you think about at night when you're thinking about your future in the UFC? Oh, definitely Misha right now. But that's if I go back to 35 for the next. Okay, so that actually did upset, it upset you to a point where you're thinking about a fight with her in the future. I mean, she's moving up the ladder at this point in time, and she's made it clear that her intention is to fight for the title. No, I, I wanted to fight her before this just because she's basically... Next to Ronda she, and Cyborg, of course, she's one of the biggest names in the sport, and she came back. I don't know a 35er who wouldn't want to fight her. So I was excited just for that. And from what I understand, you have a, a little brother who's uh, working his way up in, in amateur mixed martial arts. When do you think he'll go professional? Yeah, Shaler Ladd. Well, he, he's 18. And you, you know how, like, a Great Dane puppy hasn't really come into its body yet? It, it's kind of things everywhere. He kind of reminds me of that. He's doing very, very well. He's actually fighting next weekend. He has potential to go four and zero. Like he's doing fantastic, and he's got infinite potential. But right now, he's still very, very young, and he needs to mature a little bit and continue to grow in the sport. But you'll be seeing him in the next couple of years, I think. So he's got like baby deer legs. He's on like roller skates. Sometimes he's not used to having yep. uh, legs that long. So he's giant. Like he can walk around like two forty. He's fighting at two o five, but he still has like his. He doesn't have his man body yet. He's gonna be. It, even considering that, he's finding great opponents already and doing really, really well. Like, he's got a bright future. All right, Aspen, well, it's great catching up with you. It's a five-round fight yourself, Norma Dumont at the Featherweight Division this weekend. Uh, looking forward to more success from you in the future and, uh, and to see what the future holds. Thank you for having me. He's about to break the record for the most UFC fights in history is James Andrew Miller, not to be confused with the journalist James Andrew Miller of the same name, Jim Miller, as he's, uh, of course, mostly known as the first person to hand the current lightweight champion, Charles Oliveira, his first loss. Uh, there's a lot of history there for you. <laughs> 37 fights. Can you remember all of them? If I, if I threw a name at you, you'd be able to remember every single one of those fights? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can't, uh, can't quite remember the dates anymore. Uh, not, not, as, not as well as I used to. But, uh, yeah, all the fights, uh, look, pretty vividly remember each one of them. 
that is kind of cool to look back and uh, and think that you gave Charles Oliveira his first ever loss uh, a long time ago. But Charles has had an interesting mm-hmm. career to get to where he is today. He has, he has. Uh, it's uh, it's been awesome to see him, uh, you know, get things back under control and and uh, you know, and get the title after uh, so long in the UFC. And and uh, you know, uh, I mean, after our fight, he had he had some ups and downs, uh, but to to get another head of steam and and to get that title, uh, it's amazing. Before we started this, I asked you how fight weight was going. You said your weight was looking good, but you're not the type of person I would ask. How's your weight? How's your uh, fight weight looking? Because after 37 fights, you've never missed weight. Yeah, you know it's uh, like it's it's kind of silly that everybody says it, but the, the hard part is making weight. Uh, you know that's the that's the part of the, the fight game that nobody likes. Um, so it, it's uh, it's one of those kind of necessary evils. Um, Unfortunately, the way that things are set up with uh, with the weight classes and, and and the way that we have things now, you you, you do have to be mindful of it um, because everybody else is cutting weight, so um, you got to do it. But uh, yeah, I've 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 like I, like I did before, I knocked on wood because uh, you know I've never missed weight uh, you know in a, in a fight, so uh, I'm I'm not looking to uh, have that occur this time out. You had also never withdrawn for a fight up until recently. And when I reported mm-hmm. that you were forced to withdraw, people thanked me for saying that I had mentioned that it was not your own choice. It was because of the uh, COVID protocols. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it's uh, this will be my my 50th uh, professional fight, um, my 38th in the UFC. And uh, yeah, the, that, that one that was supposed to happen a month ago, uh, it's the first time I've ever had to pull out of a fight. Um you know, not to say that I haven't been uh, banged up or uh, or dealing with something going into a fight, but um, it it never it never was enough to get me to uh, to to you know pull out. So um, yeah, it, it kind of sucks, but uh, it's the world we live in today. So uh, it it's the way things go, and and uh, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really let it bother me. Yeah, well, I mean, after 37 fights, I think that I, I think you've got nothing to be ashamed of on that one. Uh, <laughs> have you had any fight weeks where you've shown up and your opponent has pulled out of, of a fight uh, during the week when you're already on site? Um, yeah, I was supposed to fight Bobby Green back in uh, February, and uh, the, he he ended up uh, having a tough cut and, and uh, collapsing after after weighing in. So that fight uh, ended up getting scrapped. Um, Every other time, though, my opponent's been able to, you know, get in uh, once, you know, once it's fight week. I've I've had a few fights where I've gone through a few different opponents in the in the last couple of weeks leading up to it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the only time, the one in February, where uh, I sh- I showed up and, and the fight didn't happen. That's pretty incredible. I mean, you, you look at your fight career and, and, again, how many fights you had. It's, it's all been pretty seamless. I mean, of course, aside from getting Lyme disease, which, of course, doesn't happen as part of the fight game, but uh, you've had a pretty smooth career in terms of, like, you know, things things of that nature that are outside of your control. Uh, yeah, you know, it's been uh, a, lot of, a lot of luck, I guess. Uh, you know, there's, there's definitely been some design behind it and, and, and trying to be, uh, you know, as smart as I can in training and and, and you know, like I've always looked at it as a, I I want to fight and I want to I want to fight as often as I can because that's how I build my experience, that's how I build my career and, and work my way up the pay scale. Um, you know, there are definitely some other fighters that have been successful, um, not fighting as often as I have and not fighting as much as I have and, and being a little bit more cautious in, in in what happens and um, you know, and they've they've done a good job with it, but 
yeah, I, I, I love to fight. So um, my goal is always to get to fight day uh, as healthy as I can. And, and um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's taken, you know, being smart in training and, and, and not being a, an egomaniac, uh, which I think can sometimes happen in this sport. Um, so, yeah, so it's, uh, it's been a little bit of luck and a little bit of, you know, uh, work. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the upcoming lightweight championship fight. You fought both these guys within the last five years, Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira. How do you think that one goes? A uh, very interesting style clash. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun fight. Um, you know, Oliveira is, he's dangerous on his feet. He's dangerous on the mat. Um, I just see Dustin as more consistently, um, you know, uh, like a, a harder to, harder to finish, harder to fight kind of, fighter um you know i i think that while while charles could catch him um i just i just see dustin you know using his pace and 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 just continually wearing on him and um you know i mean charles in in, in that championship fight he, he was almost finished uh i would not have been surprised if the referee had stopped it uh in that first round with uh with chandler um so it's uh it's one of those things that i, I just I don't see Dustin as getting in, 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 into trouble as much as, as Charles does. I've always loved watching Charles Oliveira. I've got to say, if he ends up beating Dustin Poirier, I don't know who's going to beat this guy. I think Poirier is the toughest it, matchup for him in the division. Uh, I agree. I agree. You know, uh, Dustin's a, a hell of a fight. Um, you know, he, he's as game as they come. Um, yeah, and, and, and again, like, like you just said, uh, Charles is a, he's awesome to watch. Um, super aggressive, uh, you know, constantly going for stuff. So it's a, it's a, it's a fun fight. And, uh, you know, as a fellow lightweight and the guy that shared the, the octagon with, uh, both of them, um, I'm, I'm excited to see it. You know, I, I think this is a fight that should have happened, uh, for the title originally, but, uh, you know, Dustin wanted to, wanted to fight McGregor and, uh, can't blame him for that either. Yeah. I feel he probably doesn't have any regrets on that one. Uh, do you have a favorite fight in terms of your, uh, your 37 that you've competed in so far? Um, I mean, it's tough to say like favorite, right? So, so my goal when I step into there is to just dominate my opponent. You know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not training and preparing and sacrificing to go out there and have a close fight and have a war. Um, so like my favorite fights are probably like, uh, um, when I fought uh, Fabrizio Camos, where I went out and I felt great, was loose, and I ended up catching a third-degree Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, you know, in the first round when he was when he was fresh and and, and unhurt. Um, but then on the flip side, uh, you know, that my first fight with Joe Lozon, which uh, <laughs> is coming up on a decade ago, which is really insane to think about. Uh, it, you know, that was a fight that while it was happening, I knew it was something special. And, and uh, you know, it was uh, the whole the whole fight camp, the whole fight week just felt different with that one. Um, for some reason, it was just the, the way things were working out. It was uh, right after Christmas and it was really quiet in Vegas. Um, yeah, it was just a just a, just a, just, a, just different. Right. And uh yeah, the, like I said, during the fight, you know, um, the, the the intensity of the crowd in between rounds—it's it's something that I still I still kind of get those flashbacks up. You know, it's uh, 
they they were so loud and so deafening. Uh, you know, like it, it came out of that first round and it was like, wow, like this is this is pretty awesome. Um, so it's definitely one of those super memorable fights. It hurt, <laughs> and it and it was it was not a fight that I I like I want to repeat. I don't want that to happen again. I don't want to have to you know uh, barely be able to stand up at the end of uh, you know three rounds again. And unfortunately, it's happened. Um, but it's not something that I that I plan for and and want to happen. So. Um, while it was awesome that it did, I'd rather go out and just dominate my opponents every time out there. Well, it seems like in recent years you've looked fantastic uh, since, again, the, the, the battle you had with Lyme disease. Do you feel like you can do this for, for another two, three years? Um, at the moment, I do, yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm taking every, every, you know, every fight camp uh, one at a time. And, and uh, you know, it's, uh, my, my short-term goal is to get to 40 in the UFC. Um, so that's another three away. And, and if I got to fight as often as I want to fight, we'd already be past that. Um, you know, so for me, kind of the, the, the number is a little bit arbitrary, but, uh, there's this other little goal that I kind of put in my own head. And, and, uh, that was to fight at UFC 300 and that's another like two and a half, three years away. Um, and, uh, I feel like I could do it. Um, so, you know, we'll see, but, um, on the flip side, it's like there's a there's there's a side of me that is very excited to walk to the octagon knowing that it's my last fight. Um, I, I I can't wait for that. Uh, it's going to be one of those bittersweet moments. Uh, but uh, yeah, for for now, we're just going to keep the train moving. Well, for UFC 300, I think that's important to you, obviously, because you fought at 100 and 200. So to fight at 300, I think, would be a massive accomplishment. So that would be, what, in about three years? Is that, I mean, it's two, 280 is coming, or 270 is coming up in January. So, yeah, about three years. Yeah, yeah, just about three years. If, if, if my math is right, uh, that's, that's what I figured out. So I'd be a, a 41-year-old uh, lightweight, which is pretty old for lightweight. Um, but... Uh, Barring any, you know, bad injuries or anything like that, um, I, I feel like I can do it. Um, we, you know, might have to slow the pace down a little bit. We'll see. But uh, I don't want to. I don't want to commit to it just yet, right? So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how things go. Like I said, I'm taking one fight at a time. Um, uh, we'll get there, I think. Well, if you can't quite get there, 289 would be cool because it would be 200 UFCs that you've been around for you you debuted at ufc 89 so if you can get the 289 i still think that would be pretty cool and so do i so do i that's <laughs> uh that's that'd be pretty neat all right jim well we're not getting sick of you quite yet we love watching you fight uh, and look forward to one more this coming weekend uh congrats on uh, on breaking the record uh, this coming weekend and we look forward to more of your fights in the future thank you very much have a good one happy to be joined by my next guest brandon killaby davis Happy to have you back in the UFC. I was surprised that you got released. Usually I don't get upset when I see people get released off of losses, but uh, you know, I look back at a lot of other fighters that lose out these, these split decisions to great fighters and get released, and uh, that always grinds my gears. So I'm happy that you're back in the UFC. How did it come about? Uh, man, I had to go change some stuff up. Went in on a four-fight win streak and then got a call from Sean Shelby a little bit ago, and he offered me two opponents, and uh, I guess one of them didn't take it, so I got this one. 
Well, like I mentioned, it's good to have you back. It reminds me of uh, Jesse Ronson, a Canadian fighter who uh, he lost split decisions to like Kevin Lee and all of these these really solid fighters, and then got released. And he, he made his way back to the UFC recently. For you, thankfully, not that long. Four in a row on the regional scene. Uh, Gulf Coast MMA didn't seem to be bothered by the pandemic. Ran a bunch of events. Six, seven, nine, and eleven. You competed at all of those. Yes, a uh, man. They. Uh, I mean. They still do everything. You're getting checked. You have to quarantine everything. So they're doing it all right. But um, at first, we were, it, it got affected because I was supposed to fight in March of last year. And it got pushed all the way back till September, March to April. And then from there, it just got pushed all the way back to September. So it affected them a little bit. But then slowly but surely, they started opening stuff up. And then they let us have the casinos and stuff. So it ended up working out. Well, let's look at your last four UFC fights, because I think this kind of tells the story. As Zabit Magomed Sharapov lost to him, you moved down to 135. You beat Randy Costa, and you see how good Randy Costa's become, so that's a, that's a solid win. Uh, Kyung Ho Kong, very, very close split decision, and of course, Giga Chikadze, look at where he's at now. So, what did you think needed to change? Did you feel like you were at a high enough level to stay in the UFC? Because again, I look at these kind of, uh, these kind of losses, split decisions to really tough guys, and uh, I feel like you still belong in the UFC. Uh, no, I felt like I did too, but I knew once I, that, that last fight was a draw at first and they came back like 15 minutes later when I was doing interviews and came back and told me they changed it to a split decision loss. So once I heard that, then I knew I was getting cut just because it doesn't matter. I, five out of my seven fights in my first stint were on two weeks notice or less. And most of them were less than two weeks. So it wasn't like I was, uh, getting full camps and then went out there and got demolished by people i had took short note super short notice fights and got in super close fights that a few of them i thought i won and a few i didn't but it didn't go my way regardless uh so you got to win those and i figured it out man it's mma it's not jujitsu what got me there was mma i mean not just jujitsu but not just kickboxing and what got me there was mma not submit people i'd strike with people knock them down take their back submit them whatever and then when i got to the ufc i was just like gung-ho on kickboxing so i went back to doing MMA and worked on my jiu-jitsu more and my wrestling more. And I ne- that was never a problem. It was never a problem. It's just always that I was mindset that we're going to be kickboxing the whole time. So I wasn't mentally ready for takedowns as far as I was standing up in a position too tall. And I wasn't initiating takedowns myself or even showing them to make the person think about what I'm going to do. They just knew I was going to strike. But when I would strike would come, they didn't know. And I mixed it up pretty well. So it still made me good. But if I would have mixed in some takedowns or even shots that didn't finish – it would make them think about that stuff more. So I've just been doing all that and, uh, man, it worked out and I'm back in here and I'm about to show why I deserve to be in here. And like I said, like you said, I lost to a bunch of good people and they were all super close fights on all really short notice. Well, this one's no different. This is a short notice fight as well. It was announced two weeks ago. Did you, how long ago did you know about it? Was, did you know about it when it just basically when it got announced? I knew probably half a week before that. And so, I didn't even know then. I probably they offered me two different guys a week before, and then told me like the day before that that was going to be the guy. So it was either I was going to be cutting down to forty five or cutting down to thirty five. So <laughs> I was preparing the forty five, so it wouldn't be such a big cut. But it is what it is. Yeah, I was going to say, you got dealt a worse hand there, I guess, when it comes to Dana Bakhtarel and the, the Bantamweight division. But uh, what were you walking around that at the time? Were you keeping yourself in that kind of shape in case you got the call? Well, I had talked to my manager before, probably a month before, not even. 
And I was like, man, what do you think the chances of me getting back in soon are? How many more fights? I think I need one or two more fights to get back in. He was like, yeah, I think so too. And it's contender series right now. So they're not going to be taking anybody from outside. They're going to be pulling everybody from that. So I was like, yeah. Uh, so I was kind of half-assed in shape, not as much as I really would be. I was about 160 and uh, maybe 162. But I wasn't letting myself just get fat either. So um, I started hustling because one fight would have been a 45 fight against a dude that won the ultimate fighter at 155 not too long ago. Um, but I guess he turned it down. So I got the 35 fight against Dana. Well, I'm going to put together the pieces of the puzzle there and say that it's Mike Trezano who just took a fight with Hakeem Dawadu in a couple months. Yes, that we would have been fighting the last, last weekend on the ninth. If he would have took that fight. Yeah, he was booked for that card. So uh, I guess he wanted a little bit more time. Hakeem, great opponent for him. Uh, but uh, now, you're, now you're here 135. I mean, this it must be a tough cut, but uh, it seems like you're you're looking good right now. Oh, yeah. Cut's going like easy so far. Now, in August, it all comes down tomorrow night and then Friday morning. But, I mean, it's I'm about where I want to be. Where I'm probably two pounds off of where I would have been if I would have known about the fight three months ahead of time so it's not too much of a difference just be like a, a little bit hard it'd be a little more of cutting that two pounds than it would have been before so have you done some studying of uh dana buckerell he's uh, got two back-to-back wins on with huge left hooks that seems to be his his weapon of choice left hooks overhand rights and one twos hard one twos yeah he i mean he's a technical striker uh good striker uh mostly boxes but he, i you can tell he has good kicks when he uses them has good takedown defense and has a good takedown when he wants to use it. So we've been looking out for all of that and definitely making sure we keep that right hand up so he doesn't knock us out with a left hook. You're also really good at landing fast body shots, and that seems to be something that when you're throwing big hooks, you, you leave yourself open to. Is that part of the strategy for this one? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's always part of the strategy. But, yes, like I finished my last dude. Everybody thinks it was a body kick, but it was a straight right to the body that hurt him, and you see him drop his hands and kind of lean over, and then I – finish it with the body kick but the, the straight right to the body is what really finished even if i didn't land the kick the fight was going to be over so definitely looking at utilizing that even if it doesn't finish him right there just go ahead and start chopping down at his gas tank because he's going to have a good gas tank he's coming from albuquerque where he's going to have he's been at elevation and everything so I'm definitely looking at that and chopping down some legs and countering that left hook because i know he's going for it well, that's why I'm glad to have you back in the UFC. I love watching your fights. I love watching um, how you utilize that style of attack because I feel like body work has become more of a trend in recent years because of how effective it is. Oh, man. If you watch boxers, I know they have more rounds and a little more time to get to it, but that's how you initially start to take somebody out. And It doesn't look like you're winning because you're landing the body shots, but it comes into play big in the later half of the fight. So even in these, we have short, we have longer rounds, but shorter amount of rounds uh, it still tallies up. If you can win that first one and land a few good body shots in there in the second round, even if you lose, if you're landing good body shots, that third round, they're going to be a lot more tired than you. So uh, definitely going to be trying to work on that body. 
Yeah, I'm always I'm always appreciative of watching you you chip away at people. You kind of watch their power bar dip and them, them getting exhausted over the course of the rounds. That's why, again, I'm, I'm happy to have you back in the UFC. I feel like you belong in the UFC. Uh, I, I always really despise seeing people that take short notice fights against tough uh, opponents get get released. You're doing the promotion a favor. So are you going to try to continue to do that, to, to take short notice fights if they call on you? No, and Sean, Sean Shelby was the one that called me. He wasn't like... He called my manager or anything. Sean Shelby called me, and I was surprised. And he was like, man, I got these two fights. We need 45ers, but we got a 35 fight. He was like, I'll do 45 for now, but I I want to be a 35er because I feel like I can I feel like I can be a champ at both. But 35 right now, I feel like I can run through a lot of these people and make my way up there. Um, but, no, he even said that he felt bad about how the first stint went in the UFC because I did them so many favors and had a lot of short notice fights that were super close that – could have went either way, and he was uh, he's like, man, we hate that happen. We don't want that to happen again. So they gave me this one, but I don't think they'll be trying to offer me any short notice fights. Well, that's good to hear. It's good that they have an awareness of that. Uh, you're a big guy for 35. You're five foot ten. Do you feel that gives you a good advantage in this division? Yeah, I think it's a good advantage and a bad advantage. Everybody, the height is good, but it's easier to get taken down too. A lot easier for people to not necessarily get taken down, but a lot easier for people to get underneath your level. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna try to use my link and my range. Every every advantage I get, I'm gonna try to use. So, longer legs, longer arms. I'm trying to use all of that. When it came to the regional scene, uh, was it more about keeping busy? You didn't have the highest level of opponent. I mean, you did beat one undefeated fighter, but was it just about you know calling this promotion, saying like, let me keep busy, let me get rack up some wins. I, I just want to stay involved. No, if you go through and look at, I fought my first guy was. It says it was six and three, but really seven and three. He had a fight that isn't on there for some reason. And then I went to the undefeated guy that was fight, going to fight for the title anyway. So I was like, man, one thirty-five. And that was that was a cool one because I actually got to make one thirty-five instead of one thirty-six to see if I could. And I made one thirty-four point six pretty easily. I didn't even have to cut weight that morning. And um, then so I beat him. He was four and zero. Then I fought somebody who didn't have the best record in the world. I wouldn't say he was like 30 and 30 or 30 and 31 or something like that. Uh, but he had a lot of experience, fought a lot of guys in the UFC. So I just wanted to have, I wasn't trying to fight new guys and I want to fight people with experience. And then my last guy, he's fought multiple people in the UFC. He fought, um, his 24 and 11, Josh Hooper. He fought Corey Sandhagen. Corey Sandhagen went to a decision with him. Uh, he fought his last fight before that was a guy that, uh, recently got into the UFC. He's a wrestler. But he had never been finished by strikes. I finished him in a minute and a half, a minute and 31 seconds by strikes. So, and he was 24 and 11. So it wasn't like I was fighting bums. Um, I was fighting people that had fought UFC experienced people and did pretty well with them. So I thought it was going to take me one or two more fights at least to get back in. And I was prepared to do that and stay busy. I just like to fight. So staying busy is not a problem. And uh, the next fight was probably going to be for the 145 title, but I ended up getting this. Yeah, Josh Huber, your last opponent, uh, I looked at his resume, and I mean, he's he was on a big streak, and all of his losses were to guys, like you mentioned, like Corey Sanhagen, guys that had made it to the UFC, at least in recent years, I guess, last six years, he's only lost to really tough guys, so I guess you were you were the last hurdle for him, <laughs> you know, he probably could have gotten a, a shot on contender series, and he, you know, or in a major promotion had he been able to beat you, but you shut that door, and we're happy to see you back in the UFC, uh, best luck this weekend against Danab Bakhtarel, and uh, again, nice to see you again. Thank you, take it easy. I'm now joined to the manager to the stars. He's Ali Abdelaziz, the CEO of Dominance MMA. 
So, Ali, I have one favor to ask you today. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions, so I need you to go quick because you've got so many guys on your roster and I want to get through a lot of stuff. Is that cool? Yes, I'll make it quick. <laughs> All right. Today, Gilbert Burns offers to step in to face Sean Strickland with uh, Luke Rockhold out. I know he's a welterweight, but, you know, Gilbert, if duty calls, he's ready to go. Is, th is there any likes to this? Just G Gilbert really wanted to fight uh, before the end of the year, you know. It's not this many welterweight was available, and uh, I guess he tweeted something. He wanted to fight Sean Strickland, and I think Sean is half the UFC working on something else for him. And, you know, I understand he's a tough fighter, and... He wants to fight somebody top. I get it. I understand. But hopefully me and my man, Sean Shelby, we're going to figure some out for Gilbert Byrne before the end of the year. Yeah, Gilbert needs to be patient because he's, he's such a good fighter. He's right there in the title mix. Uh, and he keeps beating all these top guys. But, you know, he, he, he wants to get in there. He doesn't care who it is, it seems. He's a fighter at heart, man. And honestly, I love this attitude. Dana like it. Sean like it. The UFC like it. And... This is the type of guys you want to work with. And I agree with you. Sometimes you have to slow these guys down. But this guy is about making money. And these guys want to make money. And, and uh, you can buy everything in life back. But can, you can buy time. Sometimes when you sit out six, eight months, you don't fight. You can never buy this time back, right? And I respect uh, Gilbert so much. This man willing to fight everybody anytime, anywhere. It doesn't really matter. One person who also says he's willing to fight, but it has to be the right opportunity. And that opportunity is Alexander Volkanovsky, is Henry Cejudo. Now, if you're the UFC, would you make this fight given what happened with George St. Pierre against Bisping? Is Henry Cejudo coming back just for one last hurrah, or is he going to be ready to stick around for the long haul? I will never be involved. If I think Henry will beat Alexander and move on, I will never be involved. I value that relationship. With, Henry, with the UFC and uh, Dana and all these guys in the UFC. And if Henry is a man of his word, when I asked Henry last Thursday night, if you win this title, will you defend it? He said, absolutely, I will defend it. And if I lose, I'll go down to 135, right? He's in it, not just for one fight. He's in it because he takes some time off. The guy been competing since 12 years old. And he, he gave his body a little bit of time, but he's back. He's back and he want to fight, but it has to make sense. What made him decide to retire then? It's just he wanted to take a step back and see what his options were? He, can, he competed on a such high level since he's 12 years old, never take a break. Sometimes it's not only physically, it's mentally, right? He wants to miss competition. And right now he's, he's, you know, he's, he's in the gym, he's helping coaching, and he just wanted to compete. So that's what he it come is. He to just, me. He just I, wanted to miss it. He wanted to, he wanted to get away from it. it for a little bit. When guys retired, I never called him and asked him you need to fight. He, I left him alone. He come to me and he said, hey, I think I want to fight again. And I said, okay, who you want to fight? He said, Alexander, you know, I want to make history. I want to be the first guy ever to win three belts. And, you know, if anyone deserves an opportunity like this is Henry Saudo. The thing is accomplished. Uh, nobody will ever accomplish in the sport, you know. Uh, two, two, two titles, defend the both of them, plus... Uh, a nice Olympic gold medal on the side. Right now is a good opportunity for Henry because everybody's saying they think Holloway should get the next shot, but Holloway's now lined up with Yair Rodriguez in November. So if you're going to make some, uh, you know, a fight for Volkanovski, he wants to get back in there. Henry's kind of the last man standing for whatever that's worth. I think so too. I think it's, it's, you know, a lot of this fight in the UFC happened. It's timing, and I think it's the right timing. You know, you have Giga fighting Cater. I have uh, Yair fighting Max. Let's see if Yair going to show up. <laughs> he never does and um he'll show up on a short notice i give him that 
But let's see what happened. Listen, it's, it's a conversation. Henry, you have to come to Las Vegas. You have to sit with the UFC people and look him in the face and tell him he will fight for the title and he will defend it. And I, and, uh, but I will never be involved if I don't think Henry will defend it because I think winning the title and just walking out on them, it, it make the title not good for them. You know, it's not good for business. Well, you talk about Yair not making it to the fight. There was one opponent that he was lined up with frequently, and that's Zabit. He's somebody that I keep trying to find out some information about. So tell me what the latest is with Zabit. Listen, he got booked up four times with Yair. Uh, Yair never, chose never show up. He got cut from the UFC before he won to fight Zaire. Um, one of this fight, we offered the cater. We took it. We beat up cater. And after that, you know, it's just Zabit, you know, He's just in it to be a champion, and I think he wasn't getting the opportunity. He was frustrated, and um, he decided to take time off. When he's ready, I'm going to call Sean Shelby, and I'm going to tell him he's ready, and I'm make sure, uh, and I'm sure Sean Shelby will give him number one contender match because he's on a crazy fight-winning streak. He's up there, uh, and I think if he come back, he'll fight one fight, and after that, fight for the title. Mark Henry recently posted on Instagram that Zabit was coming back. How ready is he? Is he is he training right now, or is, does he still having injuries he needs to heal? He's 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 always in the gym. He's always training, but he never he never told me said Ali, I'm retired. Right? He still is in Osada. He's still training. He's still doing everything right. But for now, uh, he haven't told me anything uh, about coming back. And I'm gonna leave it this way. When he's ready, he's gonna let me know. The last fight of Kayla Harrison's contract is coming up. From talking to her this year, it doesn't seem like she's going to be in the PFL next year. If you were her and you're trying to build a legacy as being the greatest ever, do you think she should go to the UFC or Bellator? Beating Cyborg in Bellator or beating Nunes in the UFC, what do you think is the best path for her? But, but listen, I, she's a PFL fighter. And who told you she's not going to be in the PFL next year? This is, I, I, you know, with all my respect, I don't think it's true. Uh, listen, PFL being great to Kayla... Uh, they've been great to me, but at the end of the day, you know, we talking regularly, me and Pete and and all the guys on PFL, and in reality, uh, these guys have deep pocket, they write big checks, it's business, right? At the end of the day, as long as they keep giving a competition, she's fine, right? But Kayla want to go somewhere else? I have to listen to her because I'm a servant of many masters, and she's one of my masters, right? But I... Uh, if Kayla fought rest of her career in PFL, I'll be okay with it. She's an underdog against Cyborg and against Nunez. I know you like making money. Everybody likes making money. I mean, that seems like there's money to be made there, in my opinion. I think that she should not be an underdog against either of them, from what I've seen. I think Kayla Harrison will beat Amanda Nunez, Cyborg, and Aljamain Sterling all the same night. <laughs> well, I, I, I have, I have I a feeling that the, the commission's only going to sanction two of those fights. I talked to El Jermaine. He's open to it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll, we'll wait for that. We'll wait for her to exhaust her avenues before we start going in, the, in that direction. Uh, who else is a free agent for you after this season of the PFL? You've got seven fighters in the finals. And I'm curious uh, how many of them still have fights left. And I'm also interested in Lance Palmer. Is Lance Palmer going to be back with the PFL next year? Lance Palmer, he just won a world championship in Nugi competition. Congratulations to him. Lance Palmer will be back next year for the PFL. Um... Nathan Schultz, he might become a free agent, but we, me and uh, BFL talking about resigning him. I think Magamat Karimov, 
he's a free agent next year, but I think also PFL, we talking this week about re-signing him. Listen, PFL being great to these guys. These guys like PFL. If the longest they can make a million dollars a season, who's going to pay him this kind of money outside PFL, right? Kayla's different animal, you know? But in reality, PFL being good to these guys, and these guys like to compete in PFL, you know? And I, li I like the PFL format too. And uh, I'm not the type of guy who want to take a fire from a promotion to promotion often, right? I like him to keep him where they're at. But if they choose to, to leave, somebody's going to offer them a tremendous amount of money. I'm sure whatever promotion they add, they have a right to match. And if they can't match, the fighter can leave, right? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, a lot of these guys are getting to the finals. And uh, it seems like they're, uh, they're, they're making a lot of money there, which is, I think, good for them, of course, and, uh, and good for um, your roster. It, it seems like a lot of them are, are getting to the finals every single year. Yes, not, it's not because they're my guys, because they are the best oh, fighters in the world. Remember, <laughs> it's not because they're your guys. Because a lot you of have people have a lot of guys in there. A lot of people try to say, "Oh, all these guys every year make it to the final." Listen, last time was five out of six champion. This year, I have eight guys fighting in the final, not because I'm cool with PFL. We are cool. I have a great relationship with them, but these guys have to go in there and they fight. They have to fight and they have to beat everybody. And guess what? I'm grateful to manage some of the best fighters in the world. And I'm so proud of all of them make it to the final. And, uh, and I believe this year we'll have six champion out of six in PFL. Lightweight division. I know Benil Darius wanted to sit out the rest of the year. He just had his uh, first child, so congratulations to him. But is he looking to get in there very early next year? Listen, listen. Benil, he's, he's the odd man out right now. Uh, he have a baby. He's been fighting everybody anybody everywhere he deserves a little bit of break and listen there's a lot of interesting fight in the lightweight division between october november and december and benil will fight one of these guys you know it doesn't matter who benil is game to fight any of these guys it doesn't really matter and uh and he's probably one fight away from fighting from a title well, one fight i'd love to see and you're gonna have to cover your eyes when it's on is benil against uh, islam Makhachev. Listen, at the end of the day, he's the only guy who was jumping to fight Islam, right? But it didn't match the timing because Benil have a baby. My guys can fight each other for number one contender match or for a title. I haven't. And I truly believe they the two guys. Benil is the toughest fight for Islam and Islam is the toughest fight for Benil, right? And I think any of them can become a world champion. What's the latest for Kelvin Gastelum? And if you have to guess, is his next fight going to be at welterweight or middleweight? I think his next fight will be at middleweight. I really do. Uh, you know, um, you know, I was, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it, it, he did not look like this guy's overwhelming him. You know, he's not like he's getting beat up. He's f losing decision with Whitaker, losing fight with uh, last fight. What's his name, the guy? Uh, Oh, Cannoneer? Cannoneer, sorry. A Cannoneer, close decision. And this is some of the best fighters in the world. Like, it's not like, he just need to do things a little bit different, maybe tweak a couple things, and he'll be back in the mix. He's only 29, you know. Vicente Luque versus uh, Nate Diaz. Is that a fight that could happen? I, I think it can happen, but I said, you know, Nate Diaz have one fight left on his contract. The UFC want to maximize the best, the most money they can make out of him. I understand it, right? Listen, 
Basanti Luke will fight Nate Diaz, 100%. And I know Nate want to fight him for some reason. And I respect Nate stepping up, want to fight some of the guys who's a killer who destroyed everybody. And if the UFC want it, we want it, Nate want it, let's make it happen. But I, but I think the only way this fight will happen, I think if Nate maybe resign with the UFC, but maybe Nate, he want to leave and do things on his own time. And everybody have to do what's the best for him. The UFC have to do what's the best for them. Vasanti have to do what's the best for him. And Nate have to do what's the best for them. If I want to see the fight, yes. I think it's a great fight for the fan. I think it's a great fight for Vasante. And, uh, but at the end of the day, I don't hold this guy's contract in my hand. I can do the best as I can. But I think it's very hard because he has one fight left on his contract. This is what I think. But I would love to see this fight for sure. I know they're looking for somebody to replace Khabib uh, in, in the Middle East and in, the, in Russia. There's one guy that I think people aren't talking about, Magomed Ankolaev. I think he, that guy has the potential to be a champion next year, and I think he would be favored against Glover or against Jan Blachowicz. You know what? I, have a, I always have respect for you, but today I have so much different level of respect for you because I truly believe Magomed Ankolaev, 2022, will be the light UFC light heavyweight champion. This guy is a wrestler. He was on a, a Russian team for wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling. But he knocking everybody out. He can knock out with right hand, left hand, legs. He's so talented and he's so young. And he is the future of this division. And he's one of the smartest fight in the division too. He's smart, smart, he's exciting, and he knock people out. You know, he's a complete package. Uh, and I think, you know, him and Islam, who's the guy who's going to replace Khabib? You know, I think Islam... One of the best fighters in the UFC today in general. If you're going to rank him, he's in the pound-for-pound pound top five in the whole UFC. Well, nobody talks about him. He's, the guy's a killer on Kalaev. I'm, I'm excited to see what's next for him. I, I've been talking about this guy all year, saying this guy's going to be a champion one day. I just think he needs to get that one signature win. I think, listen, I think uh, Mick Manor is a smart matchmaker. He understands he's young. He understands the UFC light heavyweight division is clogged up up top. And he's... Listen, I'm okay. Whatever Mick is doing, I'm okay with him because I know he look at him as a future champion also. Well, one last question for you. Uh, Hamzat Shemaev, there was a documentary video on him, and he was talking about how he was asked about Khabib that one time. It was kind of a misunderstanding. Some guy was asking him about it on Instagram Live, and he says, you know, I'm just getting famous. I'm not used to answering these questions and being a, he doesn't speak English well. Has Khabib seen this video, and have they kind of, you know, spoken among themselves and buried the hatchet there? I know, man, that we all brothers, we all Muslim brothers here, you know, we all come from the same bloodline. And at the end of the day, Hamzat, you know, he's young, you know, he's new to the sport. He's, he's a good kid, man. He's, he's a good, he's a good guy. I know Hamzat very well. And at the end of the day, at the time, a lot of people take an insult to it, you know, and I get understand where's Habib coming from and where everybody come from. And Hamzat, you know, it took him three months to apologize about it. I respect him so much because Fighters have so much ego, right? But I, you know, I know he was going to do the right things and he come. And uh, very much he's a, Habib is like an older brother to him. You know, we all have this kind of ranking among us. And he come out and he right the wrong and you can't, what are you going to say about the guy? You know, he's, he put his ego to the side and he apologized and, you know, apologies accepted. You know, apologies accepted because he is a man enough to realize what he said. And he, I, he didn't say it maybe on a, 
content. And I know it was a couple of Instagram posts and went back and forth and I raced. But at the end of the day, he come in. Uh, he's a, he's, the kid is great. He's going to have a bright future in the UFC. He's a star. And, uh, and Khabib, man, he's, he forgive, man. You know, he doesn't hold grudges towards people. And at the end of the day, we all brothers, you know, and we all make mistakes and, and we're going to continue to make mistakes, right? But it's all good. There's no problem between Habib and Hamzat. Everything is great. It's just, uh, it's just, you know, because Hamzat come out and he said what he said. And you have to give him respect for that because he didn't have to. Are you going to be working with him at all going forward with, uh, with Hamzat? Or is he, that still he, off he's the working with Majdi. Majdi is my brother. You know, he's, uh, he's been managing from day one. I think he's one of the best managers in the game. He doesn't get enough credit. And uh, he's, you know, he, he's been working with him. Uh, I'm out of the picture for now, you know. Uh, and I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, he, you know, I made sure he's good. I negotiated his new contract. I did everything right by him. Now, he have a legacy to, to get through it, you know. And I'm glad. The most important thing with me, he said this to Habib uh, publicly. And after that, I'm, I'm happy. I'm at peace with the whole thing. I wish him nothing but the best. He's a good guy. And I think everything I said about him in the past, he is this good. He is this monster. And people will see. Well, Kamaru is the number one pound-for-pound pound guy in the world. He doesn't have a lot of challengers in front of him. I feel like Hamzat, if he can get up there, that's, that's finally an exciting challenge, really, for Usman that he hasn't beaten yet. Listen, in the day, you have, you have Vasanti Luque, you have a lot of guys, you have Canelo, you know, you have Canelo, Canelo Alvarez. You have a lot of challenges. At the end of the day, Kamaru is the champion. He's going to, he beat everyone already, and he's going to take out every obstacle. Kamaru never said no to a fight with nobody, right? And time will tell what's going to happen with the whole division. But Kamaru now, we have to, have to fight this guy, Kobe Covington, November 6th. And he will once again prove to people he's one of the greatest fighters to ever did it. It's, it's in the conversation, it's Habib, Henry Saudo, and Kamaru Osman. Everybody stick a needle in their butt, they're not in the conversation. If you cheat it, you're not in the conversation. Um, and we're going to see what happened November 6th, you know. But it doesn't matter who. If you're the champion, you have to fight anybody, anybody, anytime. Well, I've taken up too much of your time. I've already, I've still got guys on the list I need to ask you about, but we can do that next time. Appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the rest of your day, Ali. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, brother. Here is Mike Malott. Got in, got out, 39 seconds, and uh, I'm guessing there was never any doubt in your mind about whether or not you were going to get a UFC contract after that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, was a, it was a nice and quick fight. You know, I, I obviously was happy with the win, but I wasn't sure if they were looking for something like a, a barn burner fight. So there was a little part of me that's like, I hope they're, I hope they're satisfied with that. I mean, I put the guy out pretty quickly, so... Uh, you know, I was trying to stay positive, but uh, when they finally called my name, I was I was pretty excited. Yeah, absolutely. And the Canadians doing well so far this season, three and one. Uh, Aaron Jeffrey, the only one to to lose. And I think both of us know that Aaron Jeffrey's UFC caliber. But you know, sometimes that's the way these things go in uh, the Contender Series. No, Aaron Jeffrey is an absolute beast. And uh, my friend Jasmine Jasvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajvajv
White Lions his nickname. I can't remember his, Chad his N- name. Chad right Pardon? Chad and Helliger was the other Canadian that uh, got a got a contract earlier in the in the season. Oh, but you're talking oh, about okay. Johan Linus is fighting la- later yes, on. Yes, that, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's on later too, and and he's pretty tough, tough and big. So I think he'll do well as well. Yeah, we just got another one added yesterday. Actually, Achilles Estemadura from uh, out west is going to be on Contender Series in November. So the Canadians are representing this season, which is nice to see. I know last season, a lot of Canadians were booked for the Contender Series, but the pandemic derailed a lot of plans. Right, yeah. Well, it's good to see that you're at home. Uh, It's been a pretty big week for your family. Uh, Your brother is on the Winnipeg Jets, and he got a goal and an assist in his first, I believe, was a preseason game. So uh, what's the the atmosphere like in the Malad household right now? Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Um, It's it's been pretty cool. I just got home last night. I don't normally live at home, but... uh, it's been it's been pretty cool here. We were watching my brother's games in uh, in the bubble at the UFC uh, hotel with my coaches and stuff. And they're not even big hockey fans, but they were losing it watching my brother play, and we we're just having a great time with that. Yeah, it's very cool. So, how often are you in Sacramento? I know you you've coached a lot of the different fighters from Team Alpha Male. Are you there ninety percent of the year, kind of thing? Yeah, I'm there the vast majority of the year. So I try to spend as much time as I can at home and in Canada, but. I do most of my training, and, and, and I, I live down there most of the year in Sacramento. So you had a, a pretty long layoff. From what I understand, you had a whiplash injury. Uh, can you, is that what, what the case was? So that was definitely part of it. I had uh, what I thought was a head injury and turned out to be a neck injury. It was giving me similar symptoms to concussions. Once I got my neck addressed, that healed that up, and uh, I was able to go back to training. Uh, I had a fight, won a fight, and then, you know, just uh, 2017, had a couple fights fall through, and I don't know if it was I was just burnt out or motivations change or what the deal was, but I just was not wanting to fight anymore. Like, even the idea of getting to the UFC didn't really excite me anymore. I thought, you know what, this isn't the sport to be one foot in, one foot out on. I'm going to take some time off, might be done, might come back to it, but uh, I'll just continue to train the things that I want to train. And right at that time, one of our head coaches from Team Alpha Male was leaving, and uh, I kind of talked to Uriah about this, and he said, well, if you're you know, planning on taking time off, we need a new striking coach. If you want to take over, you can jump right in. And uh, right away, a lot of the fighters wanted my help, and I just kind of the, – the role fell into my lap kind of at the perfect time, and I was able to continue to coach striking and, and work on my striking in that way, but focus on jiu-jitsu and wrestling, which was my passion for a while, and – just uh, bring those levels of my those aspects of my game up to my my striking level. So it just kind of ended up making me a much more well-rounded fighter. So now that I'm back to actually competing in MMA again, I feel much more comfortable in there. Well, we got a glimpse of that, of course, on Tuesday. So you had some time off, like we just talked about. So did, was your aspiration to just be a coach? And and if so, what ended up getting you that fight in the CFFC? How did that all come about and and make you decide that you wanted to get back into competition? Yeah, I, I fully intended on just coaching. Even my first few times uh, coaching guys in the UFC, I was like, man, I'm, I'm not jealous of them. I don't want to be the one in the cage. I don't feel the, the need to do it. And as time went on, the, the hunger started coming back, the fire started coming back, and I started, you know, obviously I'm, I'm there to coach. I'm focused on coaching while I'm coaching, but there's part of me that's like, damn, I, I wish I could be the guy that's in there, you know? So uh, I... Um, I just started training more intensely for fighting. I started sparring again. I started doing all the things that, you know, fighters need to do. And uh, we started looking for fights. So that's how the CFFC fight came up. I took that one on two weeks notice. So short notice fight, 
moving up a weight class after four years of inactivity and uh, won that one in about a minute and a half. So happy about that one over a tough undefeated kid too. Yeah, I was going to say, don't sell yourself short. That guy was undefeated. So was the guy you just beat. So you're on a, you're on yeah. a roll right now, uh, taking out these guys with, with O's uh, next to their name. Uh, and your only loss yeah. comes to Hakeem Dawadu, who's uh, one of the top Canadians mm -hmm. in, in mixed martial arts right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dawadu's a beast. He's doing really well in the UFC. We fought uh, a few years back. Uh, I've gotten uh, a decent amount bigger since then, so those uh, featherweight days are, are long behind me. But uh, happy to see him doing well. So we... Are you just looking to take a little bit more time off now before you have your first fight? I'm sure that there was uh, probably no injuries uh, that happened in the fight. I don't know about leading up to the fight, but uh, what, what's your plan right now? No, we just uh, officially got the contract this morning. So we're going to get that signed and uh, the promotional deal. And then, um, you know, take a couple, probably going to take a couple weeks to just train and recover. I, I mean, I didn't take any damage in the fight, but a three-month camp, there's, there's, a decent amount of wear and tear, but uh, I don't plan on taking a big, a big break here. I wouldn't mind getting back in before too long. So you've got a strong advocate in your IFA, I imagine that's how you probably got this uh, opportunity on the Contender Series. Yeah, yeah. Uriah went to bat for me and was just saying, "Hey, this is one of our top guys. Give him a shot." And the UFC obliged. Well, they certainly made the uh, the right decision there. Uh, like I mentioned, the Canadians are on a bit of a roll right now. But one issue we have uh, is that we don't have a single ranked Canadian right now in the UFC. Yeah. Um, who do you think has the best chance of becoming a ranked fighter in, in the near future? I mean, uh, Jasmine's got a fight in January, and becoming a ranked flyweight isn't exactly the toughest task right now in terms of the depth of that division. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely one of the one of the go-tos is, is Jazz. But I think the answer is pretty obvious to me, and that's Gavin Tucker. He's a featherweight out of uh, Halifax, mm -hmm. Nova Scotia. Yeah, I'm sure Old you trained with him when you were at Dalhousie. Yeah, he he's a, he's my brother. I I absolutely love that guy. He is the most well studied martial artist I know. He is probably one of the hardest workers I know. The guy's an absolute beast. Yeah, I've talked to him. He watches a ton of tape, which is somewhat unorthodox for a lot of fighters. I mean, he like really crunches. Uh, he's really in the tape room a lot. He probably would be a fantastic coach if he decided to go that route at some point. I would do, I would kill to have Gavin as a coach and have Gavin in my corner. We were talking about that. Uh, we were talking about that during this camp and I saw him, uh, leading up to the fight. I went out to Vegas to do my, uh, promo stuff for the fight. And, uh, he was in town. We grabbed dinner and it was, uh, the two of us hanging out with uh, one of my teammates, Andre Feely. And, we were just chatting and stuff, and Feely still brings it up uh, at the gym now. He's like, man, I, every time I brought some concept of MMA up, Gavin was like, oh, yeah, this fight in 2002, some random obscure, you know, fight in Russia, that happened. He's like, oh, dude, how does this guy know all this stuff? Like, Gavin, Gavin is uh, definitely a unique guy as far as studying. Yeah, him and Andre are both musicians also, so they, they kind of see and hear things a little mm -hmm. bit differently. Yeah, those guys are those guys are uh, are, are very similar people. They're, they have a lot in common as far as the way they view things. Both very analytical guys, both hard workers, both truly love to just throw down as well. So uh, glad those guys got to meet and become friends. So when you got the call to be on the Contender Series, you were out cottaging. Uh, where, where, did your, where does your family hang out in the summer? Uh, my parents have a spot up in uh, Muskoka on uh, Lake of Bays. So they're hanging out up near Dorset. Um, just literally out on the lake on the boat, shut the boat off when I got the call, 
everybody uh everybody listened in while i put them on speaker put my manager on speakerphone my manager and uriah on speakerphone and you know they told me the details while everyone's just like sitting on the edge of their seat so it was it was pretty cool was shimon always the opponent for you uh yeah yeah, yeah so from the beginning that's uh that's an interesting one because he came all the way over from israel to uh, to compete um you look at a lot of the fighters on Contender Series, they don't have the best resumes. They haven't beaten the, the toughest competition. Uh, you have. You, you've beaten really good competition. Do you think that that equips uh, fighters like yourself better for being on the Contender Series? I think so. I mean, the confidence knowing a lot of guys get to 7, 8, 9, and 0 and have fought just nine guys they're better than. Not They're not 9 and 0 because they're unbeatable. They're 9 and 0 because they beat guys that are okay but the confidence that comes from having been in seven real fights for me and having beaten you know multiple high level guys one of you know i fought hakeem duato i lost that fight but that was a tough fight he's one of the ranked guys in the ufc i fought another guy and beat him on short notice in a minute and a half and he's on contender series you know i've I fought a lot of tough guys so having that confidence of like this might not even you know this could be the toughest guy I've ever fought. It might not be the toughest guy I've ever fought versus, you know, I'm sure my my opponents and a lot of the Contender Series guys knowing, wow, this is a huge step up in competition. Am I ready for this? I'm going to the UFC Apex. Dana White's going to be there. I'm like, I've already worked in the UFC Apex probably a dozen times cornering guys. I've already been there. I've already, I've already made the walk several times. I, I, I was comfortable in that room. I was comfortable with tough competition. I was comfortable under bright lights. It wasn't uh, anything new. Yeah, that must have helped you a lot because you've walked to the, to the cage with guys there. You've done weight cuts with people there. It's almost like you're just the focal point now, but you, you've done it so many times that it's almost like riding a bike at this point in time, which I think is so valuable if you're competing on this show because you've been in that empty uh, building before with, with very few fans watching. You've, you've done it all and seen it all so many times that it's, like, it's almost like a rotation at this point. Yeah, it felt like we did, you know, however many coaching, however many fights I've coached in that building, maybe – maybe 12 again, felt like I did like 12 dry runs. And this was like, those are the dress rehearsals. And now it's like, okay, now get out there and actually beat this dude up. I mean, we're staying in the same hotel. I was comfortable with the hotel. I would go to the same grocery stores, the same shuttles. I know everyone that works for the UFC. So I'm comfortable with guys, you know, high-fiving people when we get there. You know, it's not like everything's overwhelming and new. I feel like that gets to a lot of guys because there's so much, even just, you know, a lot of people have never been to Vegas before. You fly into Vegas and you're like, oh, there's so much going on. I feel like that can throw people off, you know? All right, last question for you. If your brother has to drop the gloves on the ice, is he going to be able to represent the Malat name uh, in, that, in that capacity? Oh, yeah, Jeff can scrap, you know? <laughs> he, uh, he never had a, a mixed martial arts career or anything, but if, if he's got to have a little tilt, I'm, I'm sure he's, he's going to hold his own and do me proud. Well, as us Canadians say, attaboy. Well, we're happy to have you guys represent us uh, on the ice and in the octagon. Congratulations on the contract and look forward to seeing uh, much success for you and uh, our fellow compatriots going forward. Awesome. Thank you very much. The PFL made a big splash by signing one of the best pound-for-pound -pound women's fighters in the world, the longest reigning female champion in Bellator history, Julia Budd. And... Uh, Obviously, a million dollars is probably the incentive for signing with the PFL. Is that the case, or is, was Kayla Harrison and the chance of facing her something that also appealed to you? I think it all appealed to me. Um, being in the tournament for the 2022 season, super exciting just to have that schedule, um, know that I'll be having lots of fights. And, um, but I'm 
really focused on this fight on October 27th against Caitlin Young. So I'm excited to make a splash that night as well. Yeah, Caitlin, one of the OGs of the sport. I looked at how young she was today. I mean, I guess she's like 35 or so. I just couldn't believe it because she's been in the game for so long. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. She's been in it. I remember watching her fight like way before I was even considering doing MMA. So It was before really there were any major uh, female promotions. I guess it was probably in the Elite XC days, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, her fight with Karana was one of the ones that I like. I think it inspired me to start training MMA and get into it. So. Well, that's very cool. I mean, I mentioned Kayla Harrison, but the chances of you facing her in the future are not looking great right now. Her contract's expiring soon, and I would peg her chances of staying at probably around 2 to two to 5%. It doesn't seem like her future is with the PFL. So next year, is the tournament still going to be held at 155 pounds? Is everything kind of just going uh, as if, you know, as per usual, I guess, in the PFL? Um, from what I heard, yeah, but um, I'd be fine if it's at 145 as well. That's like, I'm very comfortable making that weight, so... Um, if they moved it down to featherweight, that would be just as enticing. <laughs> I mean, when we look at Sarah Kaufman, who was in the PFL for a season, and she uh, mm-hmm. used to fight at 135 pounds. Uh, what, what do you walk around that, if you don't mind me asking, in terms of uh, in terms of your competitive weight? Um, I weighed in this morning, I think 161. So, yeah, just right at that. It won't be a big cut for me to 155, but um, yeah, I'm not trying to put on size. I know I'm super strong, and uh, I know that. Um, my speed and athleticism will be um, really great in this tournament. So, Were you happy to get a fight this year? I mean, obviously, it's not guaranteed when it comes to the PFL, but if you're not in the tournament, that they're going to schedule you. But it seems like, uh, you know, it worked out well in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, it, was, it was part of, uh, you know, it was part of the negotiations and part of the contract, um, me getting onto this fight, getting this fight this year before uh, next season was something that I wanted to do. I want to get my name out there. I want to kind of put everybody on notice, let them know that I'm here. And uh, yeah, and I look forward to having an amazing performance on October 27th. So as I mentioned before, you are the longest reigning female champion in the history of Bellator. Have you made a million dollars in your career? I'm going to just flat out ask that because I think that if you can make it, no, okay. (laughs) No, no, not, not even close. So it's that's one of the things. No, I haven't made that kind of money in my career. That's um, definitely uh, incentive. But I think that it's kind of like step by step. I got to win every single fight. And there's a format and a formula to, to getting ahead in this tournament that's um, important. And I think a lot of people overlook it. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of just looking forward to taking it one day at a time, one fight at a time and um, getting there. So yeah. Well, it's like the game show who wants to be a millionaire, except there's fighting involved. Yes, exactly. <laughs> which is good for me. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to put you down. I don't know how well you do on the actual game show. I'm sure you have a lot of knowledge because you are Canadian and we, we tend to be very knowledgeable people uh, from, from these parts. <laughs> yeah, but I think I'd be better in this, uh, this kind of a tournament for a million dollars for sure. All right, well, I won't challenge you on that. So when it, when it comes to the tournament, you have to win a certain amount of fights, obviously, to get that million dollars. Um, mm-hmm. How many is it? I think it's four four fights over the course of the tournament? I think so. Four or five. I think this year was a little bit different because they didn't have those two fights in one night. But I think that was more so related to just the pandemic and kind of getting started again. So next year, I think it might be five. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm prepared for it. And one thing I've never been clear on with the PFL is that you're obviously getting paid per fight. And then if you win the tournament, mm-hmm. you make a million dollars. Is that million dollars like an additional million dollars? Or is it like whatever the discrepancy between what you've made in those fights per your contract and a million dollars is? I've never been sure about that. It's an additional. So you get paid per fight 
and then you the million dollars is an additional um obviously like bonus for the fight night for winning the entire tournament so that's very generous and uh when i when i think yeah. about canadians in mma right now pfl might have the two best canadians in the world with yourself and rory mcdonald if you take the best female and the best male in the world yeah i feel that way for sure um and um i'm just i'm so excited to get in there I'm, i was ready for a change and uh it's just exciting for me to know that i've got this kind of next year what i get to look forward to i'm a goal-oriented person so having those fights booked um, knowing the dates knowing kind of like how to chip away at those uh to get to that um that finale that title um it's just exciting for me uh and i've never had that in my entire career so yeah i look forward to it was this ultimately an easy decision for you you look at the options i mean the ufl the ufc barely has a 145 division uh you're i guess in contention in bellator right away like as soon as as long as you're in bellator you're in competition for the the championship that cyborg holds but with the pfl mm -hmm. the earning potential is just so much more and like you mentioned the schedule mm -hmm. uh, you know at your current age i'm sure you're not planning on doing this for that many more years it's it probably exactly. part of it as well so is this an easy decision yeah, it was pretty easy. It was, you know, I've been, I've been so dominant in Bellator for, I've been with them for seven years. Um, it was amazing. My dream of becoming a world champion came true fighting for them. Um, no complaints there, but for this next step in my career, we were all ready for a change. And um, at 155, it's just, it's exciting for me. I, I hope Kayla stays with them for next year, but at the same time, I'm not uh, attached to fighting any one of those girls, particularly I'm willing to fight anyone. And um, I just look forward to it. So it was a pretty easy decision for us as a team. We kind of sat down, looked at everything. You know, how long do I want to stay in the sport? Uh, what what would be good for Bellator if I stayed there? It would be the title shot against Cyborg next. Um, that wasn't in the picture. So we were like, okay, this is an easy decision and, and let's go for it. So that's what we did. As far as you know, are the UFC pursuing women's featherweights right now? Well, I, I see the odd fight, but when we, um, we did, we did talk to them and it wasn't something that they're kind of unsure on if it, the 145 division. So there, I feel like there's these like one off 145 pound fights, but, um, nothing as committed as, as this PFL tournament's like, here's the fights, here's the dates. Um, this is what we're going to do. And you kind of know that you'll be fighting like that, that for me. At uh, this stage of my career, I've been fighting for a long time, whether it's Muay Thai, boxing, uh, mixed martial arts. And to have that for, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to is just this knowing of when I'm in a fight and um, how to get to the top, right? It's a clear trajectory. So I'm excited about that. Now, well, you're one of the most established Canadians that we have in the sport right now. Your stepson, Lance Gibson Jr., is fighting this weekend at Bellator. That's where you guys are right now in, in Phoenix for that yes. particular card. Uh, tell me a little bit about his development as a fighter. He looks fantastic so far uh, during his early Bellator career. Yeah. Well, he's amazing. And um, I look forward to the, wor the world getting to know him more as an athlete and as a mixed martial artist. And, um, yeah, he fights this Saturday on uh, Showtime or on the YouTube undercard for um, the main event. And, um, yeah, he's, he's amazing. So, um, I, I'm sure if anyone's ever looked him up, he's, he's a whole package. He's got, uh, wrestling, he's got striking, he's got ground game. He's just, he's unbelievable. And he's one of my, uh, training partners and he's helped me get to where I am today. So, um, he's really, really exciting so tune in guys <laughs> well yeah it's, it's really cool to see these second generation fighters I, you look at aj yeah. mckee and what he's done in bellator so far i just think that it's it's 
great to see fighters that are learning MMA right from the get-go as opposed to, yeah. you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It was like, okay, I'm great at jujitsu. Let's learn the other stuff. Yeah. He literally was raised on the mixed martial arts mats with his dad um, in his car seat. He's been watching it and training since he was two years old. So he's been... Um, He's just that he's just that evolved already as and he's only 25. So he's so young and he's got so much potential. And uh, I look forward to you guys uh, watching him uh, absolutely dominate on Saturday. Do you ever take a step back and think about how like you're one of the pioneers of a new sport? Like the sport's grown so much in the last 15, 20 years. It's just you think back to, you know, people in, in baseball, like none of the pioneers of baseball are still alive. They, they were in, like the 1900s, <laughs> right? Like early 1900s, or late 1800s. Uh, yeah. you look at mixed martial arts, you, like you're one of the, the first people to really uh, rise to championship level in, in this particular sport, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool to see kind of to have been involved with the sport for as long as I have already. And, um, you know, and to see the, to be able to still be here and still be dominant and at the top is something that, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing for me. And, um, I'm proud of, of being able to be one of those first females in the sport. So, yeah. And how many more years are you hoping to do this for? Um, I'm just looking ahead at next year and that's kind of the, that's kind of, I'm just going to take it day by day, but next year is is definitely um i feel like it's the most important year in my uh for my mixed martial arts career and i'm taking it like that but um as well i'm I'm just again not looking past october 27th so this this and next year is kind of all i'm looking at for right now have you assessed the other talent in the 155 pound division in uh, the pfl so far yeah yeah i have um and i think that a lot of people kind of uh, what I see some of the fighters come in and make their mistakes is when they kind of underestimate um, the, the, maybe the size, maybe the style, maybe how fast people are trying to win this, win the fights. It seems like it's pretty fast paced from most of the girl fights that I've watched. Um, it's people are going out there and looking to win and get the most points as possible. So it's, it's a bit of a different uh, format I feel than some of the other fights that I've watched. And, and I've just kind of studied this year's, um, tournament and how it went and then of course I watched the entire 2019 tournament and saw how the girls have kind of evolved along the way and yeah I think um, I'm pretty well aware of everybody that's in it and hopefully there's even more new signings coming in for next year so to add even more um, yeah energy to it <laughs> well give me your power rankings outside of Kayla Harrison who are the top three right now that you that you see and take yourself out of it of course because you have some bias there I would I would assume outside of you two who are the top three in the women's lightweight division well I think um Larissa Pacheco obviously she missed weight and kind of messed up her opportunity but she's one of the girls to that's been super dominant this tournament um I think Caitlin Young too like the girl that I'm fighting next uh She's pretty well-rounded, and she's been in the game for a long time, so she can be dangerous as a veteran. And the girl that uh, Kayla's fighting in the final, Taylor, she's um, she's been around. I remember hearing about her before I fought uh, my first couple of fights in MMA. So she's been around the game for a long time, and um, she's done pretty well. So uh, they're kind of who I, I've been watching the most. And, and then there's all these kind of younger, or not so much younger, but uh, newer girls that are... Um, kind of starting out their careers but are also pretty good like Jenny Fabian her striking's really good so I feel like people are dangerous in different aspects but not as much well-rounded I should say as some of them and Clarissa Shields of course who if you yeah. fought her I believe you would take her down and she would be in a lot of trouble for the duration of the fight. 
Yeah, but I think I, I from what I've heard, she's not entering the tournament next year. She's going to do one more year of kind of development. And I think she brings a lot of uh, energy and um, eyes to the sport as well. Watching her first fight was was awesome and exciting. And um, yeah, I think that it's just great to have some of these big names like myself, her, um, Kayla with the PFL and, and it kind of legitimizes their 155 pound division and their commitment to um, the girls 155 pound division in the sport so that is interesting to hear that they're not going to put her in the tournament next year I mean like you mentioned the development is so important for her at this stage and she's yeah. so new to mixed martial arts but when you're an Olympic level athlete the learning curve is a lot faster than, than yeah. a lot of other athletes <laughs> Yeah, and maybe she'll change her mind before um, the 2022 season. But I think that it's just the the mixed martial arts learning. There's so much to learn with the when it comes to the ground, when it comes to um, wrestling, when it comes to everything like that. So she, um, from what I what I've seen and what I've heard, she's kind of going to spend one more year um, building up her record and and before she enters the tournament. So. I've got to say, this this division's been fun to watch. I, like, Kayla, I think, has been the runaway favorite in every mm-hmm. one of her fights and has really, you know, stood out. But like you mentioned, yeah. there's a lot of good talent as well. Like, Larissa Pacheco is mean. She, like, mm-hmm. She's somebody that just is, is always looking for a finish. She's very different from when she yeah. was in the UFC for that amount of time. She's gotten a lot bigger, and she's, uh, I think, yeah. developed quite a bit. Yeah, she looks a lot different than when she was in the UFC. Um, and I think that she comes out super aggressive and catches girls off guard, but... Um, I've just been, I've, I just feel like me being as well-rounded and facing who I face in my career, I'm totally prepared for, uh, this next step. So I'm excited and, um, yeah, I think I'm, I think it's just, it's super exciting for me. So. Awesome. Well, I can tell that you're very excited. Uh, the prospect of a million dollars, of course, would be exciting to, to anybody, uh, in the sport of mixed martial arts. Uh, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. And, uh, best of luck to both Lance Jr. and, uh, and yourself in your upcoming fights. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> a huge thank you to all of our guests on this week's TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. Aspen Ladd. And of course, Jim Miller. Brandon Davis. Ali Abdelaziz. Mike Malott. And Julia Budd. Thank you to all of them for joining us. And thank, thanks to you, of course, for listening to the show on a weekly basis. Couldn't do it without you. Really enjoy doing this show every week and enjoy your support. So if you'd like to show even more support... You know, just asking. It's just a request. Go to wherever you get this podcast, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever. Rate and review. Give us a five-star review. That would be very nice if you would go a long way. And you know what? It's about an hour and a half, an hour to an hour and a half every week of, of entertainment for you. So just take a minute out of your day. It would be much appreciated. And thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next week with more interviews leading up to some big cards. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.